welcome to this B2B Marketing webinar. Um, my name is Dave Rowlands. I'm the editor at B2B Marketing, and I'm joined today by Kate Doyle, who is Senior Marketing Manager at Adobe. Um, so as I'm sure you all know, today's webinar is going to do exactly what it says in the tin, which is to tell you how to create a lead nurturing strategy that drives sales-ready opportunities. More specifically, it's going to help you learn how to prioritize better leads and produce better sales, make nurture part of your overall marketing strategy, and it will also help you learn how to take risks, get creative, and stand out with hyper-personalization. Um, so just before I hand over to Kate, who's waiting very patiently in the wings, um, just some very quick housekeeping. So if you look at the bottom of your screen, you'll see a question box where you can ask as many questions as you like. Please don't be afraid to ask anything. As I always say, you know, the chances are if you're, if you're thinking it, um, you know, someone else will be as well. Uh, at the very end of the session, which should be in around 30 to 40 minutes time, We'll get through as many of your questions as we can um, before the webinar closes. So, Kate, thank you very much for uh, for waiting. I'll now hand over to you. I'll let you introduce yourself because I'm sure you do a far better job than I can. Um, and I'll jump back in at the end. So over to you. Thanks so much, David. So welcome, everybody. So today I'm going to talk to you through about how to design the best nurture for your organization. I'm going to specifically speak about email nurturing um, programs. I could go on and speak about omnichannel nurturing, but today, just to kind of get you insights into our nurturing programs, I'm going to share my experiences. So I'm Kate Doyle. I'm Senior Marketing Manager at Adobe. And the reason why I'm speaking to you today about this is I've worked across three organizations. All three organizations, I've been very heavily involved in implementing the lead nurturing uh, strategy for each of these businesses. And I've learned a lot. And I can't wait to share some of these learnings with you so you don't make the same mistakes as I've made. Okay, so what's the agenda today? So I'm going to talk to you about the nurture bus. So the first part is to define where your bus is going. None of us ever jump on a bus and know where the final destination is. And it should be the same for your nurture program. So you should know, define that goal for that nurture bus. Then it's going to be around how long is the bus ride? So you know, with your nurture streams, it shouldn't go on forever. Same as when you go on a bus, you eventually want to get off. So it's about, you know, how long is your bus ride and when does it stop? Then we're going to talk about when you switch buses. So, you know, it's about if you want to get off at a much nicer location because you're more interested in that, that's really important. And the same as your prospect in a nurture journey. It's about if they are in an, your awareness nurture and they're starting to really engage highly, you want to put them into that accelerator nurture. So push them through to request a demo and eventually, you know, buy your product. Then it's around where do you get on the bus? There's different entry points within uh, your nurture, nurture streams. And you also make sure that you have everybody on the bus and you pick up everybody. So some making sure that you're not missing out anybody of your prospects. So if it's new names or people that are engaging heavily with you, that they're in some kind of nurture stream so that you're nurturing them through um, the journey. So let's go to step number one, establish your nurture goal. So you want to define your goal um, is number one. So, so with, the, with the nurtures, it's really important that you align with the key stakeholders within your business. So it's around aligning, especially with sales team, and they need to really understand the nurture streams that are happening so that you're aligned on the same objectives. It's aligning with different departments within your marketing teams. And some of the key objectives for nurtures is around driving more engaging with marketing assets. And this is really important for your kind of awareness stream. It's around, you know, driving more demo requests. 
you want to definitely engage more with your prospects so that they eventually request a demo and then be passed over to a sales rep. You then want, could accelerate and shorten the sales cycle. So if you're telling great stories around what your customers are doing with your product and service and how successful they are, um, this is a really great way to accelerate and shorten that sales cycle. You also want to increase the engagement with new product collateral on your website. Really good for compete campaigns to be definitely pushing out to people that are using your competitor's product and showing them different uh, product collateral as you release it. You also want to accelerate customer adoption of your product. So if a new customer comes on, you want to make sure they're going through the right onboarding and training or as new releases happening, they want to get the right training so that you reduce churn and ensure that you retain your customers. And you also want to drive, drive awareness to cross-sell to your existing customer base. As within Adobe, we have so many different products, so it's important that we are doing cross-sell across the business. So we can't have all these objectives for the one nurture. It's important that you've got one objective or possibly two for your nurture streams. A little bit around the don't. Um, I'd love to say that your nurture stream is going to create all your MQLs, but unfortunately, uh, no nurture is linear. It's definitely a full omni-channel. Omni Sometimes you will have a prospect come and download, um, request a demo, for example. You never know the journey that's happened before that, but I'm sure that it wasn't just you know, landed on your page and requested demo straight away. I'm sure they've done some kind of research and journey before that. So it is definitely a, a mixed, um, so sorry, nurtures are not just that single source of creating your MQLs. They definitely help, of course it helps, but it definitely is a lot more um, around it to create those MQLs. And it does not create new leads. You need to get those new leads into your database for you to nurture them. Uh, through these email nurture streams we're going to speak about today. And that's through, you know, your different channels with content syndication, with sponsored events, sponsored emails, uh, paid media, and the list goes on. So it's really important you've got a lot of that top of funnel, new name activity happening, so you can feed your nurture streams so that they, they can go through your different streams. Okay, pro tip from me. Take this learning. Keep your nurtures simple. This is something I've learned and I went down this um, common pitfall that a lot of people go down. And it's funny when I start, when I, when I um, went down this pitfall, I learned very quickly. So I went to the next organization. I made sure that we, that I brought this learning with me. Okay. So one of the things is having too many permutations. So when you're creating your nurture stream, you can ha start off with, you know, the first awareness email, let's say that's on the first, you know, the first awareness email. Some people go, well, why don't we do um, a C-level and practitioner? Because the messaging is different. And absolutely, the messaging can be different. But that then creates two more emails rather than one. Then some people say, oh, wait, why don't we do some people are more technical versus non-technical? All of a sudden, you're creating six more emails. And then they're like, what about industry specific? So maybe it's for healthcare. So all of a sudden, you're creating, instead of one awareness email, you're creating a C-level that's non-technical for healthcare. And it starts to create, if you're looking at these um, different filters, that's 12 emails instead of the one awareness email. Usually we've got about 12 emails in our awareness stage of our nurture. And if we start to do this kind of, um, if we start going down this common pitfall, we end up with 144 emails, which happened to me before, instead of 12 emails. And what happened was it, uh, we then went through rebranding and we had to go and rebrand every single email. 
and it ended up being a very, very heavy lift. And we had to just look at the effort versus the impact and the effort of changing all those emails versus the impact of a kind of, yes, personalization is very important, but you know, we need to crawl before we can walk. So it's important that you um, just make sure you just don't follow, to start with a very simple nurture stream that you know that you can scale and then you can eventually go down if you want to go down so personalized like this. But results were not, uh, so when we scaled it back, the results were not too much different from when we scaled it back to more simple nurture. So effort versus impact, really important message here when creating your nurtures. Step number two is determine the path. So where is your bus going? Um, so one of the things is, uh, you know, this is right. This is a really important way to start. And this is if you're at the kind of beginning stages of creating your nurture. So it's around creating your awareness stage, your consideration stage and your decision stage. And it's really important for us, even if you are quite far on creating your nurtures, it's important for us to go back to kind of the basic steps and remember this. Within the awareness stage, um, it's important that you have your objective as this is a nurture stream. And one of the, the objectives really is around driving more engagement within your marketing, with your existing marketing assets. So you had some people come in from all different channels, if it's third party or um, first party, so through your website or content syndication, it's important that they are just learning about more, um, you know, common problems and challenges around that awareness stage more so. Awareness stage is, usually what we have at our awareness stage for the Marketo product is around 12 emails. And with the 12 emails, not everybody goes to consideration stage. The dream would be to move to consideration stage, but there has to be a point where you stop. So when we get to an email five or six and they have not engaged at all, we slow down the stream. We slow it down to every four weeks and then it gets slower and slower. So we make sure that it doesn't exhaust that stream too quickly. Um, then what we do is we also are, you know, if, they're, if we have a high volume that's not engaging, it's about looking at, well, what's it, um, which emails are not engagement, how do we improve, A-B tests and so on. So there's so much you can learn by starting up your first nurture stream because it's all about understanding your database, what people are engaging in and how then to move them through to the consideration stage. Consideration stage is usually around half the emails. Um, so there's around six emails that we have within our consideration stage. And another important thing that I learned along the way is do not have too many uh, primary call to actions. Just have keep it to one. So sometimes, you know, we can put loads of content, which is about six, seven call to actions. And it just doesn't really it get the message gets confused, very confusing. So have that one big impact with that one call to action. So it's very clear. Done some testing on this and it definitely has um, a lot higher engagement with just one call to action. And I'll go through this just in, a, in a second, but it's around determine uh, when you switch to the next stage. Um, I'll go through that in a few minutes. But with the consideration stage, you know, the objective is really to drive more of those demo demo requests. You want to get them to the demo request page and accelerate them on. And then you've got the decision stage. And this is where you really implement those customer stories to really influence and accelerate and shorten that sales cycle. At the decision stage, our sales team will definitely be in contact with the prospect. So, you know, it's important that we um, are aligned on what's hitting the prospect um, and also um, the sales are aware of it as well. And they've got full visibility of it on their sales force. Step number three, when do you switch the bus? Okay, so 
it's important to understand what is the indication that you have reached as a threshold to move it to the next nurture. Uh, so when is the transition going to happen? And, you know, we're in awareness stage and it's about, they can't, there's no point somebody going through the full 12 emails and then moving on to consideration stage, going through the full. If they're ready to move from the awareness stage straight to the decision stage, it's important that you pull out those uh, transitions and ensure that they do move through those different streams. So different examples of this that we use is downloaded three pieces of content. So if they're on email five and they've downloaded content on email one, three and five, we'll pull them out of the awareness stream and they'll go into the consideration stream. If they visited the price page, um, again, a great one to be moving through to that consideration stage and pushing them through to try and request that demo. Um, MQL is really important, so that's a marketing qualified lead, um, which is really tied to our behavior and our demographic score. So is it the right um, person that we want to target and has it the right engagement? So that will tell us if it's a good marketing qualified lead, which our BDR will pick up and then they will do the handoff to our um, sales team. Also reach this specific score. Uh, so again, talking about the behavior score, demographic score is really um, good too if they're highly engaged and um, you wanna move them onto the next stream. And sometimes we've tested this as a completing a survey. Um, sometimes it's maybe an end of a webinar asking them, are they actively looking at their marketing automation stage and implementing those results into our automation and making sure they're moving through to the next stream. So sometimes surveys is a good way to understand whereabouts your prospects are in their buyer journey. Pro tip, nurture journeys are not linear. I, point, I said this at the beginning of the um, webinar is, you know, nobody, as much as we'd love to think, you know, they're going to go email one, they're going to go email two, and then they're going to down, you know, so they, it's not going to just, be able to go through your 12 emails, then your six emails and your consideration stage, and then your three emails and decision. And nurture is they are all over. Um, so it's really good to tie this in with your some intent data to understand what your um, what your the organization is doing, what they're um, looking at, and so on. So a nurture journey is a full omni-channel journey, and it's never ever the exact same. Okay, so I think we can see slide 12, which is uh, step number four, determine your entry point. So where do you get on the bus, okay? So this is now at a stage where, um, you know, you are, it's important to understand your entry points into different nurtures. Now I'm talking about at the beginning stages about awareness, consideration, decision. That's step, stage number one for your nurtures. This then, if you've done that and you're able to scale up and you're able to do more and you have the team to do more, you're able to manage it, then you can go to stage number three. Oh, sorry, stage number two. And that is around is matching the points of entry uh, with what you know about that person. Okay, so here is where you have a thought leadership. Here's where you have a top of funnel. And here's where you have a product application specific nurture. And this is more specific to a welcome nurture, okay? So welcome nurture is the first impression that you're going to give that lead that's just entered your database. And this is where you're going to um, have more split out into different nurtures. So the reason for this is uh, we, had, we do a lot of content syndication. And with content syndication, they are not attached to Adobe as a brand. They're attached to the publisher that they've downloaded the content piece, but they just liked the, t the, the content that we produced. Um, so 
what happens is then we were putting them through a kind of top of funnel thinking that they knew much about our brand, that knew a lot more about our brand, but they didn't. So we need to take, create a specific thought, leader, ner- thought leadership nurture that is more on um, not specific, not familiar with our brand. It talks more about the common problems and the pain points for whatever the uh, content syndication um, content's about. And also, you know, making sure that this is more on third party sources. So not people that have downloaded specifically from our website. And that's really important. So it's a thought leadership, welcome nurture. Then there's, we move on to a top of funnel nurture. So this is more for people that, as it, in Adobe, we've got a lot of products, okay? So we do have nurtures for each one of our products, but sometimes we have people engaging in our website that is um, just more generic. So it's not specific to a product interest. So we have a more top of funnel nurture. And this is the listening nurture. This is the nurture where you really want to listen out to understand what is the pain points that they're uh, clicking on and engaging with. Um, And we've got like different topic interests. So we're kind of listening out for these topic interests. And this is when then we can kind of speak a little bit more about our brand because, um, yeah, so speaking more a little bit about our brand and then what we can do is move that then into our product product specific nurture and with the product specific nurture it's um related to whatever they've been engaging with in that top of funnel and we can then put them to the products specific we also have a lot of content that is tied to our products so if it's going around you know content personalization we'll know what product that ties into if it's marketing automation we know what product that ties into and so on and we know then we can send them straight into that product nurture so really important to have your thought leader third party not really know your brand, have your top of funnel, which is your, um, you know, to, uh, kind of your generic default nurture where you don't really know what product pain point they're interested in right now, but you're going to listen out because you're going to put in the right content to listen out. And then you've got your product specific nurture. So there are three kind of um, the welcome nurtures. And then with, um, so then this is kind of a more of a use case for um, the nurtures. So, Number one is around um, engaging with general content on the third party site. So this is your thought leadership content, which I spoke about. Again, it's around the second one is they downloaded a general piece of content on your website. So you're going to nurture that um, with a call to action to offer specific application interest, topic interest, product interest. And then you can move that into your more product specific nurture. And then you have on your uh, the third nurture which I explained was downloaded content on your website that is specifically tied to market automation, for an example, which we know will go into the Marketo Engage Nurture. So let me push this to audience. Okay, so here's just an example of different points of entry. So you can have, um, and again, this is this is more, we're now at the run stage. So we've done the crawl stage, the basic nurture. What I was speaking to you about now is kind of the walk stage. Now this is the run stage. So, you know, you're very experienced in nurtures and you're starting to, you know, you've got your team behind you and you're starting to really scale up. And this is when people, you know, jet, um, come to your website and is as your first party engagement. So using that as an example and where you can have um, a generic welcome nurture or you can do more specific topic nurture. So it depends if you know what topic that they're specifically uh, engaging with. So with us in Marketo, we do have topic specific nurtures. We've got ABM, we've got analytics, we've got marketing automation. So getting started and we have doing more with marketing automation. 
and we're able to tie our content pieces into those different specific topics. Sometimes they uh, go more generic and that means we'll go to the generic web welcome nurture and we're then able to tie them into then the topic specific nurture. So again, this is a very experienced uh, in lead nurturing, but it's just an example of ways that you can advance in your lead nurturing to get more personalized. Um, so slide number 16. So um, this then is how to introduce thought leadership content uh, for, you know, if you're not familiar with the brand. So for example, you've got somebody within your third party that's engaged in your content syndication uh, on a third party website. So then what you'll do is you'll put them into your thought leadership nurture, which is more generic. You can go and scale up and do more and you can do more topic specific. So if you have a theme across your content pieces and you're tagging them against, you know, four key themes, um, you then can build out those streams and you can do more thought leader specific on topics. And then as they move through, you can then start to put them through the first party engagement nurtures and speak more about your brand because a thought leader should never be speaking about your brand at all. They're not tied to your brand or so on. So then what we do is we can move them to the first party, which is um, more spe specific to Adobe. They're starting to get to know your brand a little bit more. So, number okay, so how do you make sure everybody is on the bus? So this is really important because, you know, when you have leads flowing in at the top and you've got leads coming in, um, you've got existing leads happening and so on, it's really important that you, um, and capturing everybody. And this is something, you know, so I'm going to, um, so, yeah, so here's examples. So it's around monitoring the new flow for nurture program membership. So how do you look at it? So launch your program. You can launch your awareness program first, and then you can launch your consideration program, and then you can launch your, your um, decision-making program because if you have 12 emails in your awareness program, it's going to take you, it's going to take somebody more than three months to go through that. So it's okay to start off with just launching the first stream. You then just do a 30 day look back and ensure that, you know, the new leads and appropriate existing needs are added to the nurture program. So make sure that you're able to see how many new names have actually come in and are all those new names going into that awareness stage. And if they're not, which one do cross-reference if you want to, you know, do a VLOOKUP on Excel and cross-reference which ones are not. And it's important to see why are they not going through these nurtures. So sometimes when you're especially uh, managing a lot of data, there is some that missed out. I don't know why for some reason, but maybe some fields are not um, updated and so on. So it's important to do that 30-day look, look back. And it's important to audit new leads um, not added to the nurture program. So why are they not being added? Um, and it's really good to look at that on a case-by-case -case basis because once you fix one, it definitely fixed the other thousand. Um, and then it's, you know, set up that nurture um, to facilitate identification to current nurture programs. Yeah, so this one is actually an interesting one because you can have, um, we had a nurture status set up and it was like active within nurture or exhausted nurture. So if it was within a nurture, we knew that it was within nurture and I was able to see what which nurture program it was in. Um, but if it was exhausted in nurture, we had to pull out those all those exhausted leads and understand, well, what is it that we want to, do with these and we had then set up an exhausted nurture and you can put them through an exhausted nurture and um, sometimes we had a non-engaged so we have a lot of um leads that yeah definitely went through the nurture but they haven't engaged with us in in 12 months 
Um, our legal team don't allow us to email anybody that's not engaged with us in 12 months if we've definitely put through these nurture streams. Um, so it's about, you know, finding other channels to get them engaged. That's maybe, that's when you stop. So that's literally, if you're sending them all through these nurture streams and still not engaging, it's just it's just a time to say, just, just to stop. And maybe try, if there are people like your targeted accounts that you do really want to engage, it's important to try other um, other strategies such as ABM, um, and more on the um, content syndication is a great one, great one to get our your uh, prospects engaged. So we send a lot of our non-engaged accounts to content syndication and try and get them back into the database engaged again. So this is a pro. This is another pro tip. It's around um, more call to actions lead to inaction, and we've tested this. Um, so. I'm unsure if this slide is going to show because it is quite a heavy, um, yeah, it's quite a, the image is, yeah, too big. So what I'm trying to say here is, you know, I've tested this. So, and I think we've, we, we may have all been here where we've been like, let's try and stick in, you know, three or four pieces of content and hopefully then we'll have a higher chances of, of engaging. That doesn't happen. Just go with your single call to action. I've te I've done A-B tests on this quite a few times because every year I'm like, oh no, but wait, it might have changed. It has not changed. And the one with the sing one single call to action seems to be the one that um, that works. So definitely ensure that you just do that one call to action. Um, so then also, um, if you wanted to add in second call to action, of course you can do. Just make sure that you add it to a PS at the end, because uh, sometimes there is ways that, you know, it's so, for example, I do a webinar and I send out the on demand and then it's like, but we, this is a series registered to the to the rest of the series. So I do put that into a PS and say, hey, look, in, in case you haven't registered, here's the link to the landing page to register. But I wouldn't put it into as two big call to actions. It's more like a PS and a hyperlink. So that's definitely still successful um, and something that you should definitely try. Okay, so pro tip, another pro tip for you guys is A-B test outside nurtures. I've done this also and a big learning from me is when you're trying to A-B test on what we should do and what we shouldn't do and, you know, and looking to see what's the best performing, um, do this kind of outside of your nurtures because nurture streams can get really, really, really complex uh, very, very, very quickly. So you should try and A-B test your, so say if you're A-B testing one email, Try and do it as a batch email and A-B test in more of a batch email to kind of a similar audience. And then whichever one is the more successful one, put the success successful email into the nurture because nurtures get complex. They get really, really um, hard to manage. So definitely a pro tip is do that uh, A-B testing in the um, outside of your nurture. Okay, so... That is just an overview of kind of how we run our nurtures. And I'm specifically speaking about Marketo Engage actually today um, around our nurtures within Marketo Engage. Um, we do have a webinar series run at the moment. And I know this in the resources section on, uh, there's a webinar that's happening on the 19th and it's around how to create that perfect email. That's a really good webinar to watch. It's Sarah McDonald. She is within Adobe. She's done a lot of testing on emails and what's working and what's not working. And she's also pulling in other brands on different types of emails. So definitely related to this if it's a webinar that you want to join us on. Um, 
but yeah, that's uh, my webinar today. And let, if you have any questions, do put them into the Q&A box and we can um, answer them live now here. Kate, thank you very much. That was, um, that was fantastic. Thank you. Um, as Kate just said uh, to our audience, um, if you've got any questions at all, please do get them in. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, there's no such thing as a bad question. If you're thinking it, chance are everyone else's. Um, but just to kick things off, obviously, you know, metrics are going to be important in this. But, you know, what are the key metrics to look out for in email nurturing, would you say? Yes, great question. Um, so there's so many metrics you can look down. And I don't know if anybody ever does this, but do you ever like start analyzing things and you end up like just analyzing too much and then the message gets confusing? Again, I love to keep things simple. Um, definitely my message today. So with that is, um, it's really important obviously to look at your emails within your nurture stream. So you're gonna look at the basic email metrics, such as, you know, the open rates, the click-through rates, the bounce rates, the unsubscribes are really important. And it's really important if there's one um, email really not performing on the, at the average. So you look at the average across your stream and you know if the email is not performing as well as the other emails, it's important to change out those subject titles, to change out that content, the call to actions and so on. So really important to look at an email level. It's also really important to look at how, who's actually moving through the, um, the different streams. So if you have somebody that's in the awareness stream and they are not this, you know, a very low volume, say, you know, 10%, they're actually engaging in that awareness stream and have the, are moving to that consideration stage. It's very, very low. You should definitely be up for maybe around 30% um, to move on to the next stream. So again, that's with our database. Every database is different. So it's good to monitor that. So who's moving through the streams? It's also really important to look at exhaustion. So um, who's actually exhausting the streams? So, you know, what is it that you can do with them? So they're kind of the key things that we definitely look at is the email metrics, how people are moving through the streams, who's not engaging, and the, um, the people that are exhausting. Okay, great. And speaking of the awareness stream, um, we've just had a question that's come in. Um, and the question says, what frequency would you recommend emailing people at the awareness stage? Is that going to be a case of, you know, it depends, or are there some sort of good benchmarks there, do you think? Um, yeah, so that's a really good question. So, and I love this question because it's something that also we've done. So, with the awareness stage, um, it's really if, so if a lead is coming in at the um, if a lead is coming in, and it's important that they get their content, they're researching now. So it's important that they get their frequent content, right? So sometimes we what we do is in the first three emails we send them quite frequent. So we could send them um, every other day, and then you know depends if they're engaging then what we'll do is we'll slow down slow down the frequency. So the first three emails, it's really important to get them out quite quickly because they just enter your database within the awareness stage, and that's really important. Then it depends on if they're engaging or if not engaging. We actually slow it down to once a week then, up to about six emails, and if they're still in the awareness stage and they're not, um, they're not engaging, um, we then slow it down to every three weeks, and we then strip feed them after that because if you're sending somebody six emails and they're not engaging, slow the frequency down because there's no point keep hitting the same person if they're not engaging over the last uh, two to three weeks. So um, the first three emails, very frequent. Then the next three emails, once a week. And then after that, slow it down. Of course, yeah. No, I think that's a, a very good, solid answer there. Um, and we've had another, uh, another question come in, which says, when offering CTAs in your nurture emails, do you gate them or not and why? Yeah, so we have... Uh, um, 
the name just skips me. So our, it depends on, so if you actually go onto the Adobe website now and you filled out a form, every form after that will be filled out for you. So progressive profiling, that's the word I'm looking for. So if you're for, you can set up your forms to be um, progressive profiling and that will then help you um, in terms of, you know, a nicer user experience. Sometimes that, you know, it, you do have to ask the prospect to fill out the form twice again, but that's just because uh, sometimes it's not as good across different um, different uh, landing pages. But progressive profiling is a really good user experience to use for your uh, nurtures so that it's already auto-filled out. Okay, thank you very much. Um, and quite a, a specific question here, so I won't um, begrudge you if you don't have the exact number to hand, but um, what, what would you say is the average uh, CPC for emails using this strategy? cost per do you mean a click-through rate so call so with the so this is leads that we've already paid so really hard to say that because right so if we're talking about because they're going to come from all different channels so they're going to come from mm. sponsored events they're going to come from a pay channel some of them is organic some of it is you know so we don't actually so it's hard to understand the exact cost but in terms of um the click-through rate within an email I actually don't know it up by the off the top of my head. Yeah. I will need to definitely I can follow up with the person who asked that question and get that answer to be more specific. Um yeah. That's absolutely fine. I we don't expect um, you know, sometimes there are some curveball questions in there and it takes a minute to to look into it. So absolutely no worries at all. Um so just moving on, I've actually got um another one of my own, if I'm gonna be a bit yeah. greedy. Um, which is, you know, have you had any issues with sales engaging your leads too early before going through the nurture streams? Yeah, it's a really good question. This is where scoring really comes in and also alignment with sales. Like, you know, with um, our sales team have full visibility because they have um, our Marketo integrated into Salesforce. They understand exactly what is happening and engaging. And we have like um, agreed with our, it's more a BDR team. So our BDR teams are the ones that uh, follow up our leads and then that's when they do the pass over to AEs. So AEs don't really deal with leads. So with their BDR team, what they do is they will only do, we call it automated qualified leads. Um, we've got a, a lot of acronyms in Adobe. And this means that it's reached the scoring model. It's engaged, it's highly engaged, it's within our demographic. It's, you know, the right lead. And that's when that they follow up that pot, right? But then also sometimes they run out of, you know, AQLs, they need more. We need to fill in some outbound data. So content syndication is a really good part of our outbound data. And what we do is we say, if please let them go through the three-month nurture that we have in place. So there's three months of kind of nurture. And after three months, if they're still not engaging, let's do some outbound motion to them. So we have some kind of perimeters with our BDR teams to ensure that they don't follow up the leads too early. Because what happened is, and this happened again, and another learning is, they will follow it up. So Safe Elite has just downloaded an asset from Content Syndication. They follow it up um, and then they put it to a recycle. Our recycle does not come out of recycle for six months. And they've just they've just followed up too early. We haven't got it engaged through our nurture streams. So it's really important that they don't touch those leads for the time that we agree with them. Okay, thank you very much. Um, and another question we've just got in here, which I think is a very good question. Um, what type of content would you send in the awareness stage versus in the consideration phase? I imagine there's quite a bit of difference there, but obviously people are looking for different things. So you need to provide uh, different things. Yeah, really good question. So with the awareness stage, it's more around the pain points. So we have like 
we've highlighted our key pain points and this is the ones that we really like you know try and push out through awareness so you're not speaking about your brand at all you're identifying the pain points that is for your customers and then you send the content that's really specific to the pain points with the consideration stage you're speaking more about i'm going to give example of your product and your service so marketing automation so you're speaking a lot about marketing automation about um how it can solve your pain point okay so it's more about the solve the, the software the, the solution to solve those pain points and then with the decision stage it's more about you your product specifically for example adobe and it's more around case studies and uh like more about specific around the product um demos and uh videos and so on so that's kind of the key is awareness is don't talk about you as a brand they don't care try like talk about their pain point and so on then talk about your product, your solution, how it solves that pain point, and then say, why Why you in the kind of decision stage? Why are you better than all your competitors? Of course, yeah. And a question about the content itself now. Someone's, um, I feel like a bit of an agony aunt here. I'm, t I'm hearing their problems. But um, they've said, we love the idea of lead nurturing, but we really struggle to produce enough content, brackets, small team, limited resources, so on. Yeah. Do you have any tips to help speed up content production? Yeah, get a really good freelancer. Um, so we, and I know that I don't understand, I don't know about your budget or so on, but producing content is not, um, it's actually like, honestly, once you get a really good freelancer and you've agreed your hourly rate, um, I've worked for a startup company, so I had a really small budget and a very small team. Um, and I found a good freelancer. And what we did is we were like, let's map out our content journey for aware, start with the awareness stage, start with consideration stage and start with decision stage. And it doesn't need to be all, um, you know, like, like this, for example, webinar, this is going to be a piece of on-demand content after this. So what happened is, you know, getting a good speaker, doing a good webinar, and this is now a part that you can put into your nurture streams afterwards. So it's about mapping out your content journey. So get, starting off with a few in awareness, a few in consideration, a few in decision. And then get a really good uh, freelancer who can produce those content pieces that don't have an expiry date. Also set up um, webinars because yeah, as I said, it's a great on-demand piece of content, but yeah, good freelancer is good to write your content. Well, yeah, well, there you go. Get, get yourself a freelancer. Um, another question we've got in, they're coming in 100 miles an hour, so there's plenty of good stuff to get through. Um, someone's asked, in the nurture process, how do you transfer from the marketing slash nurturing stages to the sales team? How do we transfer? So that's through um, our lead, our statuses. So we've got lead statuses. Um, so it starts off with um, an inquiry stage. So that's the very first stage. And then what we do is um, we then move it to a... Uh, um, through like it starts to get scores. So once it gets 20 and above, it moves to an AQL stage. Then what happens is when it does get to an AQL stage, because there's a lot that happens between inquiry and AQL through marketing, that's really where our heavy lift is. It then goes to a BDR. Our BDR then um, he, it, it either like disqualify or recycle, or they move it to a marketing accepted lead, they call it. So it's like they accept the lead basically. So that goes from a BDR lead to uh, sorry, an automated marketing lead to an accepted lead by the BDR, which they accepted it. They've done their research and review. And then that then that what happens is our BDR team use different um, sequences and so on to nurture the leads through as well. So it definitely is um, a lot of work on the BDR side. And then they do the uh, qualification criteria that hands it over to our AE. So it's I have a full slide, a full deck on this. But yeah, it's to do it 
lead scoring, so your lead status is it's to do with the right BDR team and qualification criteria before handing it off to your AEs, who I think have the easiest job because it's handed to them warm and ready. <laughs> Fancy, yeah, I'm sure they want to hear that. That sounds good. Um, <laughs> and back, back to content again. Um, someone's asked, what kind of assets works best? Videos, infographics, white papers, articles? What do you think it is? Yeah, so we're in a stage, it's important that you don't do, like send out the meatiest guide because again, they're not attached to you, they're not attached to your brand, it's about being that snappy content. So definitely, but as they start to engage more, you can definitely do that more meaty guides. Um, so at the start, infographics are really good, uh, really short uh, five to 10, like sorry, about 10 to 20 second videos in emails is good. Um, so more that snappy content. Then so and then more meaty guides through consideration stage and then um yeah case studies and more about your brand to the decision stage. So don't my answer to this question is all of it is works. You need to just understand your database on what is best performing for you um and try 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 them all. Try a few of them in different stages um, and do some testing on that because it is quite interesting. But don't just keep to the same like for example, guides. People love guides. I hate guides. I'm not a guide person that reads guides. I'm more a video watcher. So I will engage more with videos um, and infographics. Love the snappy part. So, but some people love the longer structured guides. So it's important to test that. As a producer of long detailed guides, I take personal offense to that, but um, we'll, we'll move on before I get too upset. Um, so someone here has said, um, when you had your 144 emails, how did you get generic enough without being so generic that you were saying nothing? Yeah. So, and I know this goes back to like personalization and I totally understand. And we are a lot more like, we have moved more stage on the topics rather than the um, C-level practitioner, technical, non-technical kind of thing. We've moved more towards pain points so, you know, and a C-level will definitely have a different pain point and topic that they're interested in than um, a practitioner. But, you know, it's, to be honest, we are trying to just keep it, if you're, if you're in our database and you're interested, because we, we target marketing persona, and unfortunately, and I get that with a C-suite or a CMO, they definitely are more on how can we get more for our book? So definitely on the more ROI. But a practitioner also wants to get ROI. It's going to be pushed down. So when you do put that message together, you just have to keep it more generic than it is for a practitioner and a C-level. But if it's more meaty, you know that it's going to get a higher um, engagement with a C-level. Of course, yeah. Thank you very much. So I don't know if that answers the question, but didn't have when we pulled out and we scaled back to that one, um, that 12 emails rather than 144 emails, we did not see any difference in our results in terms of moving through the different streams. All we saw is there was less heavy work lift working with um, our team. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's what people want to hear anyway. They, people just don't want to do, want to do less at the end of the day. Um, so someone here has asked, yeah, have you ever experimented with gathering contacts at the, contacts, sorry, at the pre-lead stage by capturing email addresses only? The idea would be to offer some low-hanging fruit to get interested parties into the awareness stage of your nurture. Yes. So this is actually, again, progressive profiling is really um, good for this. So you can have, this is actually in Mercado. So you have a, a form and you then just capture their email address. The next time that you um, 
they come to you, they um, you might want to, and if they're engaging more, you might want to capture more. So you might ask for their, um, you know, their first name, last name, and then title. And every time they engage more, you can ask for more content. But agree, I love the idea of just capturing that email address at the start for first engagement because it definitely you will get there's higher results. The more I can't remember the exact stats, but the more fields that you put on a form, um, the less each field has like a percentage less engagement. So the less fields that you can keep on there. But the t thing is, if you just have an email address and it comes to a sales ready lead, it's really hard for uh, um, well, it's not going to come to a sales ready lead, but if it comes to a high engaged, it's very hard to understand what organization they're from, what industry and so on. So it is important to make sure that you are capturing the data as they engage more. Yeah, of course. Well, that makes perfect sense. Um, and another question here, it says, uh, do you always use gated content to capture the data into a nurture journey? I feel like you've touched on this a bit already, but I'd be interested to hear what you think. Not all the time. Um, so as I said, if you filled out a form from us before, so if you're in our database, it means that you will not need to fill out that form again, which is great. Uh, so that's kind of a key to that. Um, thing about it is though, and I know I work for Adobe, but their forms are, they're quite long. They are, they are quite long actually. And this is like totally out of our control. It's a global team that created it. But the nice thing about it is, is every time you go onto our, onto our website and you filled out one form and you've done that, every other time it, it just fills it out for you um, each time. So yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Um, and we've just got time for a few more questions. Uh, so we'll start yeah. to slowly wrap things up, if that's okay. Um, we've yeah. got another one here, which just says, can you give an example of third-party engagement? Yes, so third-party engagement is, um, actually, Davis, you are, you'll know this a lot because you guys work with a lot of brands. So in terms of um, this, you know, so, this is an example of a third party engagement. So I'm work, I'm partnered with B2B Marketing today, but B2B Marketing done all the promotion to um, for this webinar. And we are, you know, that kind of third party. So that's kind of trying to get engaged with, you know, our brand and so on and our, and our content and that. So this is kind of an example of a third party engagement for Adobe. We also have, um, we work with loads of different publishers. So we try and get involved in their newsletters to promote our content out. Uh, so, you know, B2B Marketing is a great partner for this. Um, we have, um, you know, uh, Marketing Week. We've got, um, you know, uh, i trying to think of all of it. So loads of different types of publishers that we work for, work with that we have promote our content out. We want them to engage and we push them back into our um, to our landing pages. Fantastic. And yeah, and I appreciate the, uh, the plug for B2B Marketing Services there. So if anyone's interested, you know where to find me. <laughs> um, so I think we've just got time for one last question. I think we'll then um, we'll wrap things up because I'm sure everyone's got a lot to get on with. Um, so just one last question for you. How many people from your marketing team manage your lead nurturing streams, would you say? So it sounds like we've got an army. Promise you we don't. <laughs> I wish we did. Um, so we have the biggest part of this is the setup and knowing what you're trying to achieve and your objectives and aligning with the right. So. At the start, you definitely need that one project manager who knows what they're doing that can definitely lead the way um, and aligning the right people and mapping it out um, on a chart. So I use Lucidchart is actually what I used as a tool to map out the journey um, as a starting point. And that's really important. So getting everybody on board, you definitely need around, I'd say around um, six or seven different people to be involved at the very beginning of mapping this out. And then it's around getting your operations team to set it up. So we do have an operations team. 
I worked for another company and I was operations. So I've also set it up on the on the other side. Um, so once it's set up, all you need is one person really to manage that nurture, to be pulling the results and to making the tweaks and making sure that they are making the tweaks and making those improvements. So about six, seven people at the beginning, and then you only need that one or two people to manage it um, after. It also depends on where you are, but you know, if, you, if you're at the beginning stages, you don't need an army. No, absolutely. And if that's coming from Adobe, then I can imagine for, you know, smaller companies as well, they can take some relief in that. Um, well, Kate, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, fantastic presentation. Um, if people want to see more of Adobe's work, where can they um, where can they head to if they want to hear more from you? Yes. So if you want to reach out to me and I, we didn't get around to your questions today, please do follow me on, um, on LinkedIn and send me a message and I will be happy to answer any questions. So, yeah, my LinkedIn profile. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you to our listeners or viewers, I should say. Um, also been an absolute pleasure to have you here. And thank you for all of your questions. Um, thank you very much. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye bye.